Mike Catris, well, big man. Welcome to Pod. Welcome to YL. Ah, well, we're excited to be here. It's literally, if you're, uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, the most beautiful gym. Uh, and we're just sat in the reception blocking any members from entering um, to have a little chat, mostly about programming right, and, cool. and your, uh, your role with the athlete program. Okay. But uh, we kick off every single pod and it's become much of a theme with how did you find CrossFit? Uh, so I was uh, playing rugby, um, sort of professional, semi-professional rugby player. And um, does ev- does every Welsh person play rugby? Pretty much, because it seems yeah. that way. No, yeah, no, yeah. very much. So. Okay. Pretty much every Welsh CrossFitter. That, yeah, <laughs> all right. Yeah, we were all rugby boys. Uh, and I ended up joining the gym just to do my own thing. I wasn't doing CrossFit. I was just you know lifting and using the gym or whatever. And um, I actually uh, playing against Ebervale had a double eye socket fracture. Um, ah. so I had a clash of heads you probably remember Tristan Davis um, I clashed heads with him and he, he nearly died he swallowed his tongue on the pitch and was in a, a bit of a state and I thought never enough of it I just got up and carried on playing oh, I thought, wow. oh, oh, we're, oh, we're okay like I come off better here um, and the next day I looked like elephant man and um, I went to went to the doctors and they um, they told me I had a double eye socket fracture so I couldn't play for I think it was like 10 weeks something like that so, but I couldn't lift anything heavy um, because of the pressure, pressure yeah. behind the, my eyes and the sinuses and stuff. So I decided to try these things like everyone was running around and doing burpees and all that weird shit. So I was like, oh, you know, that looks a bit of fun. I'll give that a go. Was it called CrossFit back then? Yeah, it was CrossFit. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was Dragon CrossFit. Yeah, as part of Train Station at the time before it be- all became Dragon CrossFit. And um, I remember speaking to Simon, who was one of the owners at the time and said, oh, you know, you know chuck me one of those workouts. And the first CrossFit workout I did was 21.59 power cleans and ring press-ups and um i think it was 50 kilos like i'd power clean before he did he checked all that you know he's fine you knew i could lift and that and uh it left me in an absolute state and i thought oh yeah okay that's uh that's I all like right this. i like that <laughs> yeah. i'll give that a go and um yeah so I, that's how i got into it and um started started training with the guys then in dragon and enjoyed that i came back to play actually a couple of weeks earlier than i should have and it was the best i've ever played i played two or three games um Scored a couple of tries and I had a couple of really good games. I was a little bit lighter, lost a little bit of weight, um, but felt really, really good on the field. And then I had another really bad concussion and the the neurologist sort of said to knock it on the head, to knock it on the head literally. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, so that's when I sort of thought, well, okay, luckily I, I had something to go sort of straight into and I went in straight into CrossFit then and um, and just started sort of giving that my attention really. So how did your personal journey go from rugby player who likes the gym to not only a coach, but also one of the, you know, the top programmers in the country? Um, so I, I, was, I was always a PT. I was a PT in uni. So I went through, um, that was just for some pocket money or whatever. So I was always interested in strength and conditioning, even though I did um, sort of business and nutrition and stuff in, in uni. I've always, that always interested me. I always loved the gym. I always loved training. And I actually trained a guy um, called uh, Alan, who was looking to set up his own gym. Um, was just going to be like like a PT studio basically, uh, and I had my own nutrition company at the time, and I was PT in him. So he sort of approached me and said, "Do you want to come in with this with me?" And we were training together. I was like, "Yeah, cool." So we 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 went down that route, and I was sort of the head coach of that facility and and set up the classes and set up the CrossFit side of things, um, or eventually what became the CrossFit side of things. It started out as like boot camps and stuff, and it just it just turned. Cro- we went down that CrossFit route after our own experiences. So what year was that? I was going to ask the same question. 2012. Yeah, so like early, yeah, early I mean, days. I suppose for the guys scene. watching this, yeah, like yeah. real early days. Like you think, 
you don't realize but like when we went to frf the other week like, i think like the only things that people say about me in competitions now is like og um experienced <laughs> what, one of the originals uh, yeah one of the originals <laughs> i was like they never say anything about like what you can actually do physically it's hey, just that he's got loads of experience and og and still kicking it yeah just about yeah or getting kicked by it <laughs> um so yeah so that was back a, a fair old while so i suppose it's just developed through time the same as anything like if you spend enough time doing stuff and you're you're, you're diligent and you're trying to learn as much as you can then you um then you sort of pick up a, a few ideas that you like and try and take them a bit further if you can yeah so you went from coaching and then on to owning your own box but that's quite a recent transition yeah fairly recent so um those of you that don't know this used to be the second dragon crossfit box this was dragon crossfit lanishan um and Robin, who's my business partner now, is one of the owners, along with Simon and Andy. Um, and they they were all like very different, so they were all pulling in sort of different directions in terms of what they wanted to do and where they, where they saw the business going. Um, so we basically decided, uh, Rob and I, well, they, they decided as a group to sort of split up, and Andy took over what is now still Dragon CrossFit, and Rob took over here, and and straight away decided it, I was one of the main coaches down here he wanted to f- push things on a little bit and i i bought into the box and that was in september not last year the year before so we're coming up to coming up to two years now so um yes yeah, it's, it's been uh, it's been really cool really enjoyed it like changing and, and changing the branding and putting our stamp on things and doing the w- doing it the way that we wanted to do it mm-hmm. and um we've learned a couple of things along the way but i think we're we're getting there yeah so it's obviously going well for you two years in and you've just opened up a second location yeah yeah so we were lucky enough it's pretty much um near enough a year in from from when we set up here um we were approached by uh, uh another gym it was crossfit 365 um gary and sophie the, the guys that are running that there uh dropped us a message and they mainly because they saw what we do in here and they came down mm-hmm. for one of our competitions and they really liked the vibe they liked what we were we were about mm-hmm. um and they were struggling for time themselves because Gary's um, a very busy man and they're looking to uh, extend their family. And um, he sort of said, look, we're in a situation, we've got a big facility, we're not able to give it the time that we want to give it and, you know, it's suffering because of that. Um, Would you guys be interested in sort of taking over? Um, What were your first thoughts when that came across? Because now you're saying, so it was a year in, in fact, that you were taking on the second location. Uh, You were still probably in the development of this place. So then to jump into another place as well, that's going to require a lot of work. First initial thoughts were pretty much, oh shit. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It was a really good opportunity for us. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was probably at least six months, if not probably longer, too soon for us. Mm -hmm. Um, But because of the situation and where we were at... um, we, we had a real good discussion about it. We were lucky that one of our members here, a guy called BJ, um, who's been with us right from the start, um, was was really keen on, on getting involved with us because I think if it had just been the two of us, we'd have struggled. So we brought him in as a third partner in the in the second facility. Okay. Um, and we, we just sort of thought, well, I think it's a Richard Branson quote, if, if somebody gives you an opportunity, say yes, and then learn how to do it afterwards. Yep. <laughs> yeah. um, it was a bit like that. Yeah. We, we sort of thought, we know we can do it because we've already done it here you'll figure out the yeah, logistics we, after we put the we put the structures and the, the the processes in place here that we know would succeed and we think we hope would succeed anywhere um it's just a matter of how we manage the, the time the manpower and all that sort of stuff um but when we when we got the ball rolling 
you know, it, it, it kicked off quite nicely and it's all going in the right direction, which is positive, mm-hmm. luckily. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How did that affect your training and stress levels? Because it must have been quite a lot going on yeah, at that time. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, a, it was an awful lot. So that was, um, like I said, around about October, November time last year, leading into December. And um, those of you that know CrossFit, there's a little thing called the Open that starts yep. at the start of the year. Uh-huh. Um, we, we had very little time. I had increasingly... Uh, short time to to train and I had to just be a lot more organized Mm -hmm. Uh, get a lot get up a lot earlier and training early training late and just making sure like prioritizing more than anything making sure that the shit that needed to get done got done yeah Um, and unfortunately if that meant that there was the odd session here and there that had to either get missed or put onto the next day I didn't have a rest day mm-hmm. so I basically I did my week's training across the seven days okay which just meant less volume yeah in the m- of, okay. less volume per day but yeah. it was a matter of just trying your best not to miss something but also not letting what you couldn't control stress you out so if there was a day where like that had to be done and that meant that that training didn't happen that day then you know just the way it was that's the way it is yeah, yeah. Do you think that kind of kept you switched on, in fact, for your training? Because sometimes you find that when you have other prospects and other things going on, you can still mentally, sometimes if you're just solely focused on training and it's always in the gym, you then can't think about your business plans. But having those business plans allowed you to then put the best time into your training when you were in the gym. Because now rather than having three hours a day, you've got an hour and a half and it has to be effective. Yeah, it definitely made me more focused, I think, for my sessions. Like, whereas before, like, I'd quite happily sort of Float stroll about. around and take my time. It was very much like I'd write everything out to a, to a letter. I started doing a lot more stuff with, like, specifically timed rest. Mm-hmm. Like, if I was doing squats, for instance, it'd be like, I'm going to do a set every three minutes. And, you know, regardless it, how you're feeling or how beat up or how heavy it is, you get it done. So I think that that focus came through uh, in the training. Mm-hmm. And like you said, yeah, it just made, made that sort of made you mentally switched on a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. What's it like programming for yourself? We'll talk about your athletes after. Yeah. But that is a challenge within itself because naturally you want to do things that you like. You know, there's stuff that you don't like, but then also you got to put that stuff that you don't like into the right kind of essence of your training yeah it's it's an interesting one i mean to be honest it was probably the other way for me i was probably so much doing doing the stuff that i hated and doing stuff that i was bad at okay and almost avoiding the stuff that i was good at because i was so like determined to make my weaknesses strengths Uh um that i almost like beat myself up a little bit and started okay. thinking actually I'm, I'm shit at didn't this. get like, that balance I'm, yeah I'm not I'm really bad at this because I'm writing stuff I'm bad at all the time yeah and training with people and either getting beat or getting pushed by people that I think I should be beating and thinking oh god maybe I'm not as good at this as I think and then I go to a competition and do well and think yeah. oh actually no I'm not too bad it's okay yeah. but um I've, I've got a lot better with that balance so throughout the years I've worked with a guy called Michael Fitzgerald um, okay. yeah. who's James Fitzgerald's brother um OPEX and yeah. that and um, it first started out, he was my coach. It then started out when I started getting into more and more and more of the programming that I would send in my programming and he would tweak things and look over it look over it and be like, oh, have you thought, you know, maybe trying this or why are you doing that? And very similar to what I do with Connor now is he sort of oversees things and gives me ideas and nudges me in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm still learning from him, you know, regularly. Still, we still talk a lot, um, but he's helped me a lot in terms of, I think a lot in terms of giving me throwing me a bone once in a while as that, well that's quite nice how he mentored you and you're mentoring connor and you're passing this kind of tradition on mm-hmm. and hopefully connor will then soon da- do that for someone else yeah i'm hoping so yeah like he's developing massively as a coach and an athlete mm-hmm. um and i'm uh, 
I'm a firm believer, like, one of the big things that I want to do is my sort of philosophy is, like, leave the world a better place than you, you found it or whatever. And if that means passing on knowledge, if that mm-hmm. means, you know, giving your time to people, if that means whatever it might be, like, I think that's a, a great thing. And something, if somebody's passionate about something and people want to do something, then... Give um, them the tools. Yeah, I'll always try and help. Um, like, I, don't, I can't think of anything worse than... It doesn't matter if you're not there yet, but if somebody comes to you and they've got that passion, they've got that belief they've got you know that dedication then i'll never turn you away i think that you deserve to have that opportunity you deserve to try mm-hmm. um as long as you're honest with them and realistic that it's probably going to take a bit of time and take a lot of work yeah. if they know that and they're willing to do that then then who am i to say no yeah just a bit of background info for anyone who might be listening connor is one of your coaches here who obviously working under you yeah. and went to in your regionals team yes yeah that's yeah. right so connor is is one of our coaches he works across both boxes um, he's just finished a strength and conditioning degree um, in Cardiff Met. Um, I've been coaching him for four years now, and he's only 21. So <laughs> he's um, he's been with me. Yeah, Star in the making. Yeah, he's he's doing real well. He, managed, he went to regionals this year as part of our team. Um, and he was, I think he was only about 10 places off going in, or 15 places off going as an individual this year. You know, he's a... And he's, he's a, 21. Yeah, uh, he's a legit Amazing. Athlete, you know, and he came to me with some some big weaknesses that are now the complete opposite you know like the guys squat clean 150 kilos at 21 years old you know mm-hmm. um snatching 120 kilos he's he's a little freak um and you know we're working on on some other stuff and a lot of that now for him is is more between the years than it is um is physical which is exciting because that's something that i know that i can help with because i've been there and done that a lot more you know and hopefully um you'll see a, a different corner this time next year. Yeah, how do you help with that, though, when you're working with athletes who, and it's like, you know, it's a, a mental capacity thing as opposed to uh, physical weakness? I think that's massively individual. It, it really depends on the person, but it comes down to knowing them yeah. and, like, genuinely knowing them and, and listening to them. Um, one of the biggest things that I found, and it is hard because I do a lot of remote coaching now with the athlete mm-hmm. program, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, um, but is that trying to get to know your athletes as well as you possibly can um, and build a rapport with them and make them feel firstly they need to trust you they need to they need to know that you know what you're talking about even if you're not sure yourself <laughs> um, they need to um, they need to respect you enough to be honest with you if something's too hard if something they could have gone harder on if they if they didn't perform the way they should have and it's not the programming that let them down it was just their performance on that day um you gotta have those conversations yeah you need to you need to dig deep in that and um that comes with time that comes with patience but like i said with connor it's um it's developed over years and years we've been together for a long long time now so you know not only are we sort of coach and athlete but we're good friends and he's he's very honest with me like you know we've we talked in depth about his training we talked in depth about his mentality and and weaknesses and strengths time and time and time again and every time we've done that he's very diligent he'll go off and he does listen and he does put things into place um because it's all well and good being told what to do but if you don't do it there's no point so i mean we'll touch base on your general stuff after but let's say you have a new connor walk into the room um they come up to you they want you to program for them personally what's the first step that you're going to take with them what's the first thing you want to know and how you can you've never met this person before they've just walked in and they need you to coach for them i want to know if they're a good person okay i don't give a shit about their numbers i don't give a shit about anything else like the most important thing for me dealing with an athlete dealing with a person if i want to build that relationship if i can be the best coach that i can be for them are they coachable they need to be coachable they need to be 
approachable. Mm -hmm. I need to be able to talk to them. I need to be able to build that rapport and build that relationship with them. And if I don't think I can do that, mm -hmm. then I don't want to waste their time. I don't want to waste my time and I don't want to get frustrated um, or frustrate them uh, by trying to build something that isn't going to work. I'm sure there's hundreds and hundreds of coaches out there that could do that and, and would happily take money off them and, and, and build that. And that's fine. Um, for me, it's more of a case two way of, street. Yeah, it's got to be. They've got to be the right person. Yeah. Um, because I, I think good people are few and far between, and good potential athletes are everywhere. Like I think I can make most people, most coaches. You know, you speak about Steve and you speak about all these guys that are really, really switched on top coaches. Mm -hmm. They could make average athletes very good athletes if they give the time and the effort. Mm -hmm. um, but not all of those guys are great people, so not all of those guys are going to have that that high level. level. Yeah. yeah. So, you've established that. Good person. This is what you want to work with. Then, where's your baseline go to? Because we always hear this in programming. Strength takes years. Conditioning can be done in a matter of months. What's the first thing you're going to now figure out? Is it the strength side of things, where they lie? Is there like a baseline that you'll go to with those strength numbers? Or is it actually checking out their conditioning and seeing where they fall into that? So, it'll depend on their individual goals. So, like, you know, if, if you've got somebody comes in and he's like, okay, I want to go to regionals next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can only snatch 80 kilos, then you're like, right, okay, you're not going to go there next year. We're not going to put 40 kilos on your snatch yeah. in nine months, mm -hmm. whatever it is, mm -hmm. you know? So you need to be honest with them in that regard, but you just do an assessment. So I'll ask them a load of their numbers. They'll probably know off the top of their head the stuff that they'll have done regularly. Anything that I do ask them they might not have done, we'll chuck something at them. So we'll, it might be... A, your 10 minutes max cals it might be a 2k row um i've got a, a handful of, of testers that i go to that um i think are, are really good ways of determining how good certain people are at certain movements um because it's all well and good being able to do four. can you name a few yeah sure so like it seems like a real basic workout um but it's pretty good if you try actually it's quite it can be quite humbling um it's uh 27 21 15 9 uh burpees to a six inch target and toes to bar okay um so people think they're good at toes to bar and then do that workout well i guess it's midline and midline exactly right? that yeah but it's midline midline and gas yeah um to get a good score you need to go fast to go fast you need to break your midline more to break your midline more it hurts more and yeah. then you see where the movement efficiencies come in so that's just one example but something really like if you ask somebody what their max set of toes to bar is and it might be 40, 40 plus reps and you're like oh shit yeah he's got toes to bar all day and you give him that workout and it takes him nine minutes you're like yeah he might have toes to bar all day but he can't do it when it's under fatigued, fatigued yeah. yeah so that's a good indicator something like that uh -huh. um, also you look at like um, like one of the old uh, open workouts with the, the snatch ladder mm -hmm. um, having the, the best one rep max snatch doesn't necessarily set you up for success if you can't do 30 reps at 35 kilos oh, yeah, and 30 yeah. at 60 yeah. then 30 at 80 then we'll see what you're like at 90 or 100 kilos, whatever the, the last weight was. It's seeing what you're like in, when you get to that point. Yeah. Um, so pushing the volume a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, because people seem to think like, um, and it's something like I butt heads with Carl a little bit about with the, the athlete program. He's like, oh, we've got this guy. He's going to go to regionals next year. He's got 160 kilo clean and jerk and 120 kilo snatch. And then I like, I'll have a look at him and he's like, yeah, but he's got an engine like a ride on lawnmower. Like, <laughs> we should use that quote more. Yeah. I, I, th I think I think that was actually <laughs> me not long ago, <laughs> and yeah. I had to work on that. Yeah, exactly. But you look at it, and like people don't realise that CrossFit is an endurance sport. Yeah, yeah. CrossFit is not. Yeah. 
being able to snatch 120 kilos and be able to do 20 bar muscle ups. I mean, there is, there is a baseline number, let's be real. Yeah, and for and sure. people like Ben Bergeron talk about this quite a lot. That yeah. If you're not pushing that kind of 150 clean and jerk and a 110 plus snatch, realistically, you probably need a little bit more now. But if you're not pushing those kind of numbers, you are going to struggle with the bigger lift movements. Now, the bigger lift movements are not the big percentage, but they will have a very big effect on your score if you're bad at it. 100%. You know? Yeah. And that's, that's coming more in the last couple of years when you started to see the heavier stuff coming into the open. Um, prime example of somebody like that would be uh, Jordan Wallace, mm-hmm. real good mate of mine. So Jordan is what would have been two, three years ago, what you'd call like your perfect, like your open athlete. Like, you know, he will qualify for regionals every day because he has got eight lungs. Mm-hmm. He's got a short range of motion and he can go all day. Yeah. Um, now that the heavier stuff has started to come into the, the qualifiers, he starts to struggle a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, but he'd still go. But when he gets to regionals, that that load increases, and yep. that's going to be a tough day for him. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what you need to do with jo- a person like Jordan is firstly, well, he's got like mobility issues and stuff as well. But you take him aside and you just like you just need to work on your strength. We need to build that, and we need. It's never going to be a strength for you because of your frame, but we can make it more of a strength. Mitchell yeah. Adams is a really good example of that. Yeah. So he's gotten stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger through Steve through the work that he's doing. The engine's never going to be an issue for him. You know, yeah. He's mega, mega fit. Yeah. His gymnastics is really, really good. And the strength has always been that sort of limiting factor, but it's less and less and less of an issue anymore because that's what he's focusing on. Mm. Yeah. So when you, you get an athlete coming through the door, you'll assess that. You say, right, okay. And you give him a little bit of a spectrum. You've got like a, I've got a little chart that I sort of draw up and it's like, where do his strengths, where do his weaknesses lie? And then that, that perfect person would look like a big circle because they're hitting the points all the way across. And you get a lot of people that are like, zigzags you get people that are really strong but lack that aerobic capacity you get loads of people that are really aerobically strong but lack that strength you've got some people that just need to work on skills yeah um and there's always going to be a stronger point or a weaker point but it's just finding that balance across the board absolutely so like it's really exciting like i I know you guys um i've spoken to emily like working with her is that she's got so much potential she's super super fit she moves well you know, she's strong and getting stronger and she just needs to make like three or four little f- changes in technique and we're working on some stuff, working on some midline, working on some core stuff mm-hmm. that is already starting to make a big difference that I can see in months down the line, she's going to be a dangerous person in a competition yeah. Yeah. with small differences. Oh, the minute she gets set, I mean, I trained a lot with her. The minute she gets set into a workout, there might be this conversation before where she feels nervous or anxious, but the minute she gets set into the workout, it's just another person comes out of her, yeah, which is incredible. Absolutely. Um, so it's like sometimes you get that, like those guys, the guys that just struggle with certain movements or they got one thing, they got like that Achilles heel. Um, but that's exciting for me, like especially when you're working with somebody that's already at a good level. Um, you look like, I was just saying earlier, just started working with Ruan It's like Dumas. fine-tuning them then. Yeah, like who's, who, who probably would have gone to the games this year if it wouldn't have been for triple three. Mm-hmm. And it's like, the guy's already gone and bought himself an assault runner and he's already running 5k three times a week on it just because he's like that so i'm like that's great you're hammering yourself let's actually take it back and work on your running technique a little bit because how exciting is it to find somebody that's already that good and then find a weakness yeah because that just means we can make you better how often is it that you have athletes that you're working with that actually is just the fine tuning as opposed to trying to i don't like enhance a whole element of their game um, I think it's um, it's more of a privilege now than it has been in the past. And I think that's probably more because of um, having the opportunity to work with better athletes through whatever it is, reputation, luck, 
the athlete program doing a little bit more marketing or whatever um but i suppose as you sort of tend to grow your stable of athletes tends to grow then the opportunity for you to work with these freaks like the really really good guys increases so the last couple of weeks we've been lucky to have some really really good athletes come and join the athlete program because they've seen the results that we've had with others and those are the guys that are coming in and you're like actually you guys are pretty much there it's just making small changes um and it's nice to have that mix it's nice to have somebody that comes in and there's big holes because you've done been there and done that and you fixed that in the past and you know that you can just give them something similar to what you've done with other people in the past and there should be a pretty good change but it's a nice challenge to have somebody come in with something you haven't really had to work on before um speaking earlier about alana fisk um and saying like actually this is pretty cool like i've got to really think outside the box here to to make some make some changes Mm -hmm. that could make you know big differences does it make your job harder because it's only little alterations yeah i guess so and it probably puts more pressure on you because they're already at a certain level like people expect them to do well yeah um so you don't want them to ever feel like they've made a decision and come worse off. Yeah, you know? exactly. and, and a lot of that, to be honest with you, comes down to the athlete as well. It's what you put into it. Yeah. Sometimes, I mean, I always say this to people as well, you can give anyone a, a program. Don't get me wrong, there, there are better programs of how they're formulated, but you can give anyone a workout and it's what they mentally do with it and how they push themselves that they can develop themselves. 100%. You, know, you could give someone 50 burpees and give another person 50 burpees and it could be a better stimulus for them just because they attack it in the right way. You know, something as simple. Yeah, and it's like, and it's that, that's what comes back to that relationship and that trust and that buy-in. Mm-hmm. Like you give somebody a workout and I've seen it in the past and I've had conversations with athletes in the past um, that they, they'll come to me and they'll be like showing me their programming from another coach who's a good coach and I know that guy well and you're like, yeah, what's the problem? And they're like, oh, well, I just don't think it's what... And as soon as they're thinking that, then yeah. they're done. Yeah. They're not putting that buy-in into it that they need to be putting into it. Yeah. And as soon as they start second-guessing that, like that's when you're on that slippery slope. And that's all about the trust, like you said. And that's all about that trust, yeah. So as soon as you, you lose that, that's a tough thing to get back. It's doable, but it's a tough thing to get back. Mm-hmm. So if you get that trust, you get that buy-in from that athlete, then they're more likely to apply themselves. And like you said, like I totally agree. Like, the programming is probably a small part of it in comparison to the application. Like I could give you a similar program to somebody that's a pretty different athlete to you and you probably both do pretty well on it because you're good athletes. Yeah. If you apply yourselves. Yeah. If one of you applies yourselves more than the other, the other one, they're going to do better. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Where did the team up with your programming and the athlete program come from? So basically, I know that um, Scott Panchik was involved with the athlete program yep. back in the with the inception of it mm-hmm. um, and that obviously carried a real big weight and they, they, they did well they picked up a load of members with that um, and the end of his contract came uh, and they parted ways and they sort of took things on on their own um, and, and tried to sort of carry things through and then they had a little bit of a drop off and a little bit of a lull um, and in the meantime I was doing I was just doing my own thing it was actually it was called Moo Fit which was a joke to be honest like my, my nickname when I, back when I was playing rugby was Moo because I used to drink two litres of gold top milk a day okay uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just wonder where that yeah. came from so um, th- that's how I used to try and keep weight on because I was in the front row so I was a little bit bigger um, so yeah they, they we called it Moo Fit and it was just me and like it started out with me and Stuart Trees um, who was a regional athlete at the time and had a couple of weaknesses and we competed together and we were really good mates and he just wanted a little bit of help and and Connor, Leanne, the guys here, there was like six or seven of us and it grew a little bit. We had like a a decent sort of stable um, growing and and Carl sort of spoke to me about it because I think we went to 
uh, European champs uh, was Beasts at the time. Mm-hmm. And about five or six of us that were all on my program and all made the finals and all came, got into like the semifinals or the finals. And he was like, oh, are these all your guys? And I was like, yeah, yeah, we're, you know, we all follow my stuff. And he was like, sort of like raised a little bit of an eyebrow to it. And that sort of obviously planted a seed because a little bit longer down the line, he sort of dropped me a message and was like, you know, we're looking for a head coach. We're, we're sort of, we know what we're doing, but we just need a bit of direction and we're just not sure if, if we're doing things the right way. Mm-hmm. Would you mind having a look over it and having a chat? And I was like, you know what? It's a, it's a good opportunity for me because I never really pushed. It was just people coming to me and just yeah. saying, you know, more of a natural, natural, yeah, natural yeah, organic natural. growth. Totally. You know, I had like 30 athletes to have that opportunity to work with 150, 200 athletes off the bat and then grow that was mm-hmm. like a really exciting prospect for me. So I was like, yeah, that's great. If I can help more people doing reach a wider audience doing, as well. then happy days. Yeah. And did your, your existing clients just move across? Yeah, so we all just met. Ma- because we talk across, about yeah. people not liking change. That's quite, it might have been quite a big jump for them. Yeah, no, so absolutely. So it was, you know, the, the program was the program. So it was always going to be yeah, with you it was, anyway. It was, yeah. it was what I was doing. So again, that comes back to having that trust and that communication, what yeah. we did when we took over the gym. It's just, I explained it to them. I, you know, dropped everyone an individual message. Hey, look, this is what's happening. We're moving across. Um, the only difference is instead of you dropping me some money, is you're going to set up a standing order with... Uh, the athlete program um, if you've got any questions if you're not sure let me know totally get it if you know this is a good time if you're not sure to step away um, and luckily nobody did yeah, they all just moved across and everyone was pretty happy to carry on the way it was how do you change your mindset as uh, as a programmer from programming for individuals to programming for the masses um, it was the the MoveFit program was was still generic it was yeah. still what we did for everyone so basically the i developed the MoveFit program it, was, it started out was it was my programming this is what i'm doing feel free to sort of join in yeah enjoy um, it yeah it then became connor's program um because he was my sort of my project um and now it's actually pretty much connor and taylor's program um so taylor howe who's in yeah. our team as well um, is another genuine prospect for an individual place she's in regional scary section. good she's, she's so good so good um, and, and only getting better um, and, and she's a baby as well isn't she she's yeah, like 21, 21 as well yeah, yeah. Uh, went to the Commonwealth Games this year last yeah this year yeah this year um, and you know got genuine ambitions of making the Olympics and the Games in the same year um, and that's a, a pretty cool thing to be able to do mm-hmm. um, and working with her working with Connor they've both got very um, similar strengths but very different weaknesses. So it m- made that uh, a, a perfect mix just for me to sort of, well, if I was going to build the athletes, we call it the athlete, but it was called the athlete program for that, that reason, is that, well, they're my athletes. They're the ones that are the athletes, you know? Um, so I'm going to write it for those guys that want to be the best and then everybody else can sort of step back and scale that as they see fit. And the guys, the admin guys do a real great job of offering scaled options. When Josh was working with the rest, like giving technique tips, giving options for scaling movements back giving like uh different workouts you know if you want to get the same stimulus why not try this if you're not quite at that level yet mm-hmm. um and that's a, a great opportunity for lots of people to do similar or the same program but tweak it with to their, their additions own, yeah, their own additions yeah. in, in terms of your portfolio what's the kind of percentage difference between the athletes who are you know gonna make it aiming for regionals aiming for the games versus your everyday everyday gym goer who is a competitive athlete but on a slightly lower level maybe on the athlete program or for my personal athletes uh from the athlete program uh, on the athlete program i think we've got about 150 guys on there at the moment there or thereabouts um and i'd say that probably 
it's probably the same as when you go to every other gym. I, uh, I'd imagine like 85% of those guys are guys that want to compete at Rainhill. Maybe their g- big goal would be to like to qualify for the finals at the European Championships to make it to a, uh, a French throwdown, to make mm-hmm. it to these sort of competitions. And then you've got that 10, 15% that are already there. They know they're going to make it to the finals and they want to go and they want a final or they yeah. want to go and they want a podium. You've got like that. There's a there's a divide, Levels. and then you got that um, that clear divide again. Probably the bot. There's another probably bottom for sort of ten fifteen percent of those guys that either just feel like they're they're not getting the programming that they want in their own box, or that they they want to follow something. They want to follow something. Yeah. They just want to have so, so you, you know guys that, bit of a guideline. Yeah, that they've got like Invictus or they've got uh, Misfit or they've got you know JST or whatever it might be. They just like knowing that they've got that structure and that accountability that there's going to be a workout and they don't have to think about it. They can just go and get something done. Um, so yeah, there's a good mix on there. So when you were looking at your regionals team um, ahead of the Open, was the thought process that I've got all these great individual athletes, we could have something here, much like your team, Josh, mm-hmm. that went from Colchester, mm-hmm. or was it always in the plan um, that Ion had all the athletes available and we're going team? No, so I mean, the big thing that I've always said, and I spoke to with Josh about this a little bit earlier, um, with my guys is that like, if we all just do the best that we can and see where the chips fall, like you've got the option and I would never ever try and take that away from somebody. So I know like um, the the difference being with like the difference between Connor and Taylor, for instance, I think if Taylor had made it as an individual this year, she probably would have gone. Um, Connor, if he had made it as an individual, probably still would have gone team because he still wants that experience. Um, and he still wanted to go out there on the gym floor and have that ability to sort of soak up that atmosphere, see everything, mm-hmm. and then maybe go next year as an individual. Um, but what I sort of said to everyone is, like, you just do your best, like, and I'm not going to hold anything against you. Like, if we're honest and we're open about it from the start and you we have that conversation, then nobody's going to stop you, like, going and, ch- like chasing your dream like if, it's a, not an easy thing to get to regionals yeah. as long people, as it's an open conversation right and everyone's yeah. just up front yeah. and it's like because it, it's a tough thing like you know you've been in that situation before it's a, and I've seen it happen it's a tough thing to see somebody potentially walk away from something that they really want to do yeah. because they feel, feel like pressured by other people it's like well you know you've earned that spot and getting to regionals is not an easy thing to do mm. if you want to if you want to go you go like you've earned that you've earned that right to, to, to make that decision as long as you're honest with your teammates and you're honest with the other guys it affects, then I don't think that there's an issue there. Like I said with my guys that, you know, it, it wasn't going to happen. I, you know, I've been just coming back from injury. But if I was to qualify as an individual and the team could have gone without me, you I would have gone, gone individual. Um, if the team couldn't have gone without me and I'd gone and I qualified individual, I think I probably still would have gone team. And I said that just because I didn't, I wouldn't want to take away that opportunity for three of my members or my athletes if it meant that they wouldn't go without me. Yeah. You programmed for all of them individually. How did that change when you started looking towards a team event of all your athletes? Um, for us, it was just a matter of keep working on the weaknesses of the individual because if you're a better individual, you'll still be better used to us in the team. Um, we just started doing a lot more team stuff, tried to get together. It was tough because Taylor literally from the she, the Friday of the last open workout, she did the workout and got on the plane and went to Gold Coast. Yeah. Mm. So... We know we kn- knew we'd qualified that weekend, even though it takes another week or so for all the invites and stuff to come through. Um, but she was away for three weeks of the first six weeks or whatever we had to train. Yeah. Uh, Leanne was in Thailand with work for two weeks as well, so the crossover. So we only had two weeks together as a team with all four of us. 
um, which is not ideal. And you could see that out on the floor. There was a lot, a lot of things we were learning as we were going. We had great opportunity to go to the camp that we did, which was at awesome. Stockport, which was really, really good with Steve and Ben Massey um, and Matt Thompson, who set that up, which was really, really good. Um, and we did a, as much work as we can here. Um, we got a worm made, <laughs> out, which is basically <laughs> just like a big pillowcase that we chucked a load of um, a load of sandbags in. Um, so luckily, I had a, a had a contact that that did us a, a really big favor there and helped us out there. So, so thank Kimmy for that. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, it was uh, it was it was fun. Like more than anything, I think like getting the the synchro stuff and practicing some stuff that was a good opportunity for me to like have some fun with programming and try and sort of step away from the development and start to think about like events like oh what would i program how would i do stuff i send yeah. you guys yeah. you know I, I i sort of programmed for the the colchester guys uh the team wads leading into into regionals as well and there's some funky funky stuff in there and, and um it was nice to sort of just have a play really yeah. how did the training camp change your programming because there was a lot we learned on that training camp right mm-hmm. and we can all admit it sort of hand gestures and things like that that I honestly wouldn't have thought of mm-hmm. you know you think you could shout as much as you want but yeah. you can't and yeah. we know when we was out on that floor it's a lot different you can't hear much going on yeah. how did that change the program if you after seeing the way they communicated and what we learned um, yeah I think the big thing was was like the pre-communication uh-huh. um, so like before a, an event or before we were practicing stuff was really having five minutes and being like Same this enough. is what we're going to do this is the plan if this happens we're going to do this it, and just like laying out best laid plan plan b plan z yeah. <laughs> so somebody dies like you pick yeah. them up, pick them back pick up, up <laughs> put them on the other side um and just going through those those scenarios um i was lucky enough like i've done you made a, me remember the quinny legs just then yeah oh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah um i was lucky enough that i've done a lot of team stuff um and tribal clash um i've done every year since it started is a really really good one for that in terms of we do a lot with the worm we do a lot with like logs do a lot with like synchro stuff and having that experience of having to communicate when you're fucked and you guys (laughs) sidetracked but you performed really well this year didn't you yeah yeah we came second this year which was which was really good fun and it's always a great event i love tribal clash because you can't really train for it yeah it's like it's just raw yeah grunt work yeah, yeah. Um, and teamwork and it's, it's really cool I love that event um, but yeah that's, that stands you in good stead like having that's one time that I think like having that experience and having competed a lot really does sort of help a lot because mm-hmm. um, you, you know what it's like and you know what other people are feeling like as well yeah. um, like Connor bless him on that thruster burpee one just like he was in a pit and he was struggling at the front of the worm and I knew that and it was like I'll oh, swap like Whereas if that that was never even one of our plans the whole way through, because but sometimes you just have to deal with the adversity, right? And having to communicate from the front because I was the one calling completely changed things. So Taylor then started taking over on the communication side of things, and it's just like you you develop that through, and you can Mm -hmm. sort of see that character come through then. Yeah. Yeah. Off topic of regionals, back to your programming baseline stuff. So you do the general program for the athlete program. Um, When you're doing a general program. Let's say you've got a week in front of you. What's the first thing you're blocking in? I'd be interested to know, like, when, when you set... This is for my own personal oh. gain, by the way. <laughs> um, but what's the first thing? When, when you set a program and you go, I've got my week, you know, you're going to base it off of, what, five days, two rest days. Yeah. What's the first thing you put into your program? Um, so I'll work my strength stuff in um, first. So I, I like to follow, like, a, a pretty strict... Depending on what block we're in, depending on what we're doing, I'll follow a pretty strict sort of program, whether it's... Olympic lifting focus, whether or not it's a squat focus, deadlift focus, whatever it might be. I'll get that in there first because then I'll know 
how I can structure my metcons around that. Okay. I don't want any sort of cognitive dissonance. I don't want any anything to detract from the work that we're doing. Um, then I'll put my aerobic stuff in. Mm-hmm. Um, probably at the same time, aerobic and strength, really, they're both as important. Um, and then I'll put the skills and metcons in later because you can sort of put work that around the other stuff yeah um and it'll you can just be the final the final pieces of the jigsaw mm-hmm. like this especially for the generic program for the majority of them especially in the off season where we are now this the, the focus for us is basically strength aerobic capacity and technique mm-hmm. um and then we're giving them a little dose of crossfit as well just to keep them sane yeah um, <laughs> and then that'll change a lot in about six to eight weeks time when we start to go into like a pre-season block which will start now bringing those skills and those techniques in under fatigue um, and bringing a little bit more sort of lactate stuff in and then the sort of six to eight weeks leading into the open then it's pretty much go full retard how many blocks do you have within a year um so i tend to do um we're in the process of an off-season block which is like a 12-week block but it'll depend on if, for the generic people that we're doing a 12-week block um, we'll then do our pre-season block, which will be eight weeks, eight, nine weeks. Um, and then the same thing, it's like two pre-season blocks, like an eight-week block, and then an eight-week block where we're building that volume. And then there's the in-season block, which basically starts from the week before the Open right the way through to a month after regionals because mm-hmm. we set it. So obviously not everyone... We're, we're basing the program around the CrossFit season, so Open regionals games. 90% as we said of the guys that we're talking to aren't going to get to regionals that, that's not their goal their goal is to have the best open that they can but there's a lot of competitions around that time yeah. so we carry that through rather than starting the off season which is what I would do for an individual that was planning to get to regionals if they didn't get to regionals their off season Start starts early. the week yeah. after the open yeah. you know they'll have a week off or two weeks off and then their off season starts um, whereas the gener- general popular keep them going yeah we'll keep them going and we'll ride that peak for you know 8 to 10 weeks and that's when most of them have got like French Throwdown or they've got like um, a Rainhill or they've got like a whatever it might be, rep it out or whatever those comps are. Um, And they can go into those comps like firing on all cylinders, feel like they've done something that year and feel like they've improved. Um, And that's what it's all about for those guys. Nice. It sounds like a lot of what you've done really is, I know we've obviously directed conversation that way, but gone towards the coaching side are you finding that your mind's splitting between looking after yourself as an athlete versus looking after everybody else as a coach? Um, yes and no. I mean, it's something that I've done for a long time. I've, I've been, uh, like I said, back to being a PT, you know, years and years ago, I still even do a little bit of PT now. Um, I've always coached a lot, so I'm always pretty conscious of other people. Um, certainly the the guys that I try and look after I'm I'm conscious of making sure that I'm giving them the best that I can um it's hard to to prioritize stuff sometimes and it, you know like I was saying earlier it just means that you've got to get up early sometimes some days and you've got to get your sessions in late some days I'm lucky now that we've found a bit of a routine with the gyms that I I can um plan a bit better I can plan it better and I don't yeah. miss sessions anywhere near as much like if at all anymore um but yeah, I think I've got sort of two two separate heads, if you know, like I'll like I've got my coach's head and I've got my athlete's head. And um it's hard sometimes when you're doing your own stuff to like think when you're halfway through an absolutely honking Metcon, you're like, <laughs> Oh, I've written this wrong. Yeah, I've gone I've so made a wrong. Terrible here. Mistake. That's <laughs> definitely too hard. And then you're actually like, No, you haven't, you're just being a pussy, just get on with it, you know. Um so sometimes for me it's like the biggest thing when I'm an athlete is to sort of switch off, trust myself and be like, Yeah, okay, I've written that a long time ago 
so that I haven't got to think about it today yeah. and I almost yeah. distance myself from that. And do you use yourself as a test? Yeah. So you write workouts, do it, and then it comes up Absolutely, later. Absolutely, yeah. So my aerobic stuff, I'm pretty much a block ahead of what we're doing on the athlete program. Okay. They're doing almost exactly the same aerobic development stuff as what I did. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's set different paces and I give, for the generic guys, I give them percentage work rather than set pace because everyone's on a different pace. My individual guys, I give them individual paces and their aerobic stuff depends on their individual um, needs. Um, but yeah, like I, I test a lot of stuff out. And, and if I don't, I'll give stuff to Bemi, one of our other coaches who's a good mate of mine who's got certain strengths. Um, you know Bemi, yeah? Martin Fisher, Swansea boy. No, I don't. Uh, he's I good don't. mates with, uh, with Shroff. They all are. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone's with Swansea's good mates with my, yeah. my other half. Okay. So Mike and my other half used to play rugby together as well and go on all sorts of tours and yeah. sevens. And Don't know what you're talking about. I never have. Won't speak about that yeah, one. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I'll give stuff to Bemi because he's got certain strengths in certain areas. I'll give stuff to Connor sometimes and just say, like, right, you're going off program today. I, I want you to try this out. Um, Taylor sometimes. Uh, I'll, I'll just chuck her something and just be like, you know, wh- you know, I want to see what, how you feel on this. Um, I've got I've started doing it a little bit more with Em as well now that I know her a lot better as an athlete because yeah. I've been working with her for a couple of months um, and I sort of trust her judgment on certain movement, certain stuff that I'll, I'll almost use her as a guinea pig every once in a while mm-hmm. and just be like, hold my hand up. Yeah, okay, that was probably a little bit too tough or that was a bit too easy or whatever. Um, and uh, yeah, sorry about that 20 minute one the other day. I'm sure she still loved it. Yeah, yeah she did. And, and anything painful, she'll still enjoy it. Yeah, it did hurt. Um, <laughs> yeah, I tested. That. that was one I actually tested twice. So I tested it out myself and I was like, fuck, that surely can't be that hard. I think I've just made that really hard. So I gave it to her. Yeah, and she here, was like, Emily. Enjoy. She was, she was like, what the fuck was that? And I was like, okay, God, it wasn't just me. Okay, maybe it is too hard. Then. You can't talk about it and not tell us what it was. So it was a 20 minute EMOM um, of 10 bar facing burpees. Uh, 10 squat cleans at 65 kilos for the guys, 45 kilos for the girls, uh, 10 bar facing burpees, and then uh, 10 strict chest bar pull-ups. So minute one, Ooh. minute two, minute, minute three, three, minute four. four. You um, lost me on the yeah, last one. For tw- <laughs> <laughs> First three sound good. For 20 minutes. And um, yeah, it's like, it looks on paper and I'm like, surely that can't be that bad. It's fucking bad. <laughs> then you said strict chest bar. Yeah. And squat cleans, power cleans, squat cleans. Squat cleans. Yeah, yeah. So right. it's so bad, and uh, I don't know why. I just don't know why. Like it was one of those ones where I'm like, I actually second guess it because I thought like that'll be tough, but I was like, no, that's just left me in all sorts of shit states. So um, yeah, I had a little play with that. Did you hold on to the ten strict chest bar? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Good going. Pull in as well. Yeah, pulling and pulling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for Mike Catris, the athlete, what's next? Um, what have we? What we're we looking forward to? So I've got. Uh, Canary's gone bad with Stuart Trees. Um, this is a bit of, was a bit of a tough one, really, because uh, I, I qualified for the World Championships for the FRF through the British champs that, that Josh won um, a couple of months ago. Now, um, I was looking forward to being on the same floor with you again. I know, yeah. Um, it's something that I've done every this year. This is basically the podium, isn't it? Give or take one guy. Yeah, in pretty, that, pretty much. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so we've done it every year, and we're lucky enough that they they look after us really, really well. They they fly us out and they um, they put us up because we've won it a couple of years. So it's a free holiday for me, and I've not had a holiday in a while. Uh, a <laughs> Prior- long, a long priorities. While. Um, hey, take it when you can get it. Yeah. yeah, and I think like the big thing for me, I was speaking to Josh about it earlier, is like I went into the British Championships knowing that I wasn't fully fit and just sort of trying to roll, see where I was at, just to be honest with myself and just give it a go and see like if I've still got a little bit yeah. in the tank. And I, I was 
you know, pretty pleased with how I did considering. Um, and that was enough for me, like, this year. Like, I don't, I don't particularly like individual competitions um, regularly because I really love team stuff. I enjoy team stuff, but I also train around team stuff. So I can train on a Friday, compete Saturday, Sunday in a team and train on a Monday like yeah. it didn't happen so much. Um, individual stuff, I tend to be fucked for a couple of days. Um, <laughs> and uh, I just think, like, you've got to enjoy it as well. It's so important that, um, especially when you've been in it for as long as I have now, as people keep on telling me, I've been in it for a really oh, long man. time and I'm an old man and all that. Um, that if you don't enjoy it, what's the point? Um, and that's the same with everyone at whatever level you're at. And it's probably mm-hmm. the one bit of advice that I give to Josh as well is that as soon as it starts feeling like a job, then you need to take a step back and reassess. just reassess. Yeah. And that doesn't mean step away from it. It just means like figure out why you're doing it, understand what it's for, um, and, and well, really that thing enjoy is what, it. Depending on the level that you're pushing for, if you are pushing for that top 0.1%, it is going to be hard. So you have to enjoy it. Yeah. And if you don't enjoy what's going to be physically hard for you, you're not going to have the capacity to do it day in, day out and push for that percentage. 100%, you know? yeah. Like it's, it's the same thing like your nutrition, yeah. you know, and, and that sort of thing. You've got to have the right focus. When things get hard, you know as well as I do, like you start talking to yourself. And unless you've got the answers to the questions, you ain't going to do it. Like, you know, when you're 30 minutes into a 40-minute slog and you're like, why am I doing this? Like, 30 minutes is enough. That's fine. Like, if you've not got a strong enough reason to be carrying on and pushing hard, then, you know, you're struggling. Yeah. Um, Are you not going to be carrying on? Yeah. Might we all give it a quick wrap-up here? Yeah. Um, If they want, if people who are listening want to follow the programming, where can they find them on social media? Uh, So it's The Athlete Programme on Instagram, uh, The Athlete Programme on Facebook. I'm not sure if they're on Twitter. I don't do Twitter. We've had this conversation already today. Yeah, not many people do Twitter anymore. I still do Twitter. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, at LS Sports, same as my Instagram. I, no, don't find me on Twitter. I'm there, but don't find find me. Because he was a personal shopper yes I was and his Twitter is all about his personal <laughs> shopping which is, is it wrong that genius? that doesn't surprise me at all <laughs> don't find me um, and we are podcast at the day uh, of the day I don't even know our own name anymore so podcast underscore O underscore D on Instagram and Twitter um, but we're also going to be chatting a little bit about mental health men's mental health in the sport so make sure you check out our September short and that it will also be on our YouTube and podcast page so join us there Thank you.